speak to you in the name of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Right now. It would have been nice had he just tacked that on at the end. 
right now. May God give you every good thing now. Right now. But he didn't. Because all good things are coming, but not in our time, in God's time, in due time. In fact, at an earlier time, Jesus taught his disciples this very thing. He made it clear and said, I have said these things to you. He was teaching them about his death that was coming and the danger they were to face. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There's no question about it. He said in chapter 16 of this same gospel, you're going to be kicked out of synagogues. You're going to be killed by people who think they're doing God's work. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so will you. And you can have peace in that. And this is one of the greatest testaments to Christ and Christianity. The peace that Jesus offers his disciples is a peace that empowers them, us, to walk out of shut and locked doors into the world willingly as prey. Willingly as ones who will be hunted in his name. Every single one of these disciples, except one, were hunted down. They were killed for speaking of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. And they did it because they had been given the peace of God. Have you ever pondered that? How do Christians today around the world risk their lives for this token of the risen Lord seen in such a far distant past? And a hope for an eternal world, an eternal reward that seems like such a distant future. It's one thing to say you believe these things, but it is another literally to die for them. Have you ever thought about what kind of peace is this that works in the hearts and minds of Christians? Well, it's not this. It's not the feel-good, no-conflict, bliss-filled peace that you encounter in our worldly interpretation of what peace is. It's not like a nursery before a baby comes. This is a peace that continues to try and surround people in love, care, warmth, and serenity once the baby comes. This peace endures the hardship. I don't know what other kind of peace can do this other than the peace that comes from God. The nursery, it's all messed up. Untidy, crooked, and dirty. All the human peace winds up looking like a nursery after six months from the baby's arrival. But God's peace, this is the peace that endures. This is the peace, as we say every Sunday, surpasses all understanding. The peace that keeps hearts and minds and the knowledge and love of God despite the crooked and messed up world. But this peace is a gift, sheer gift. And you cannot go out to the world, a world of tantrums and fights, a world of unrest and unease, and expect to endure in Christ's name without this peace. You won't make it. It's as simple as that. Because you're going to be, as Christians, slandered, judged, ridiculed, made fun of, ignored, shunned, hunted, and perhaps even killed. And you won't be able to stand up to any of that over time, unless Jesus breathes his peace into your life. Don't ask me how this happens, but it does. As Jesus said that when 
peace of God and His Spirit. You neither know where it comes or where it's going, but it comes and enters lives. Jesus once said, I'm sending you out amongst the wolves. Do you realize that? You want to know how I stood up to it? How I stood up to the world? Here's what you're going to need. Here's my gift to you, now that I've conquered the world. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Think back to Adam, when God first breathed on Adam. When he breathed life into his nostrils, turning a collection of dust in the shape of a man into an actual living, breathing, walking, talking, relational creature. Without that breath, Adam was dead. Adam was inanimate. Adam was as good as nothing. He was an empty void of a form. This is God's second breath on his creation. Second breathing on his people. Jesus breathes on his disciples and they become new creations. With the Holy Spirit they are made new creations. The old has passed away and the new has come. And these new creatures who receive this breath have peace and power and perseverance to, to go now and declare it. Without this breath of Christ, they remain old and useless in His name. And so do we. New creatures in Christ are Christians who are ready to lay down the old body back into the dust, back into the ground, because they now have a sure and certain hope in a resurrection of Christ that awaits them. And this fills the hearts and minds of God's people until he comes again. It is true, deep-seated peace. And in walks Thomas. I have to touch on Thomas today. What are you talking about, Thomas says. I'm not going to believe any of this ridiculous talk of a risen Jesus and whatever it was you were saying about him breathing heavily. Unless I see him, unless I touch him for myself, I will not believe. In a sense, you can't blame him. Most of us, hopefully all of us, have wrestled with our doubts in these things. Here's the thing about Thomas. I have a theory. Thomas, in this encounter, hears words from his friends, and that's it. Words alone. No time has passed for Thomas to observe, to watch and ponder, how the disciples begin to change in their hearts, in their behavior, in their actions, how their fear of the Jewish leaders of the day begins to fade away. Thomas doesn't get to see that. He sees them talking about things without the action. So let's say Jesus never came back to show himself to Thomas. My theory is, I think, and I tend to look for the best in people, but I think Thomas would have come to faith sooner or later. And here's why. Because he would have watched his friends give their tongues, give their time, give their talents, give their total selves in service to Christ. And it would have been contagious. He would not have been able to resist from seeing Christ working in and through them. And witnessing that, I think he would have believed eventually. Because he would have seen 
the body of Christ work to show Christ to the world. Think about why you are a Christian. How many of you can point to a person in your life who clearly pointed to Christ with their life? Someone that you saw and touched Christ in. It's not all words and doctrine. It's connecting words with lives and seeing God for yourself in and through others. Jesus says, as my Father sent me, now I send you. As I show myself to you in these very rooms here in this room, so go now and begin to show me to the world through your bodies, through your sufferings, through your life, and through your wounds that you're going to pick up from living in this world. Show people my peace I give to you, that they may begin to see me. Have you ever seen yourself in that light as a Christian? As the church, have you ever considered our goal of showing God to the world? That as a member of the body of Christ, you have the ability, because he has breathed into you. You have the call, because he has sent you. You have the peace of the Spirit working within you to go out into the world, whether it be encounter smooth or rough sailing. And to show Christ to others. We don't tend to see things this way, but the rougher it gets out there, the more they'll see when you walk and talk with the peace and spirit of Christ in you. Doubting Thomases are all around us. And they're watching and waiting to see if what you say matches with how you live. We ought to be vessels that invite them to come and to touch us, to come and to talk to us, to watch as we walk in this life in the peace of Christ. They may not like you in the process, but in the end, who cares if in the end they do see God working through you? As the Father has sent me, he said, so also I send you. So I encourage us to go from here this morning as once who know with conviction